Up From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 162 of the show tonight. This is your host, Dave Swillam. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living creative full time. So if you are new to the show, tuning in right now, this is where we interview artists, entrepreneurs, creatives, people living alternative lives, doing the things that they want to do instead of the things that they don't want to do. So uh, coming off from like a month of no interviews because I've been traveling like a fiend, I'm really excited to now have another human being with me to chat and engage and not just listen to my own voice as much as I love it, you know, to, <laughs> <laughs> to hang out tonight. So I would like to welcome on for episode 162. I have Fabiana Clora from Texas right now, but she's done a lot in a bunch of different areas. She is the founder of the Musicians Profit Umbrella. She has a doctorate degree and is a concert pianist. Also comes from a background of launching a music business program uh, and entrepreneurship program for musicians at a university as well. So we have a a big background to tap into and a lot of things that we're going to be talking about today specifically to help definitely musicians, but also just All of this advice, just from pre-talking to Fabiana a little bit, I can tell is going to help creatives, people who are looking to uh, do more of a scalable or uh, sustainable life doing things in the arts or just in general, most likely. So Fabiana, I'd like to welcome you onto the show. Thank you so much for taking some of your time and hanging out with me on this fine Thursday night. Thanks, Dave. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pumped. So. Fabiana, for people that don't know your background or maybe they aren't familiar with some of these different things, do you want to just run us through like who is Fabiana and how did you come to this uh, this stage of the things that you're working on here in general, I guess, to contextualize our chat tonight? Yeah, absolutely. So my journey has been primarily as a concert pianist. My entire life, I studied all my degrees culminating in a doctorate degree were related to piano performance. And I love playing the piano. I love sharing with audiences. I love learning music. I love practicing. I was one of those kids who, believe it or not, my mom had to ask me to stop practicing and go out and play and be a normal kid because I was <laughs> Go get like, vitamin usually, D, go into the yes, sunlight. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, usually the cases that parents are like pressuring their kids, you have to practice, you have to practice. My mom would ask me, Hey, Fabiana, don't you think you practice enough today? Do you want to go out and play with your friends? Don't you think you yeah. know your pieces well enough? I was that kid. I was obsessed with the piano and I still am to this day. I have okay. this necklace with a piano pendant here for the last like 25 years or so. Man. So piano has been my thing, my passion forever. Right. And so I reached a point though in my career after finishing my doctorate towards the end of my doctorate degree where I started to wonder, well, I love to play the piano, but how on earth am I going to make a living with this? Like now I have to make money. There's no more degrees. Like I can't keep going to school. Totally. <laughs> right? Yes. This is it. I'm like, sure a ton of people feel that. Right. <laughs> and so now what? Like now I have to figure out how to make money. 
So thankfully I was at a, at a setting in a university, one of the few at the time that offered some music business courses and entrepreneurship courses. So I started taking a few of those courses and little by little, I realized like, oh my gosh, there's a whole world out there that musicians have no idea. And that totally. they, they only understood the, the potential for them to be, be able to make money while also still being true to their craft. They would be so happy. And until I discovered music business and entrepreneurship courses, I was very much on the path of, I need to graduate and hope that someone hires me and hope that someone picks me. So I need to polish my resume, work on it forever, practice how to interview in jobs. And I get myself in this little like factory type path of hoping that someone picks me. But then I had to make a dissertation and I chose a topic of music entrepreneurship and I chose how to research what do pianists do to create sustainable careers in the arts and how do they build businesses? And I started to research the statistics of how musicians graduate from the university programs and the potential for them to actually get a job. And I became quite shocked of the grim statistics, right? There were no jobs. There were no jobs that were just waiting there for musicians, yet there were so many graduating musicians every year. Totally. Um, in terms of like traditional jobs, as I said, there were no like university positions. They were very, very small. Not uh, as many. I take my resume and give it to someone and I say, right. can you give me a job? Do I get it or not? It's like they, they may have developed skills and use those skills to get jobs in the fields. But, but our industry is just a, it's just a different industry. And I'm sure all creatives out there in general, or people who are entrepreneurial in, in nature feel that where there's like, there's no box that I drop the resume and where is that box? It's exactly. like, it's, it's just a different, it's a different battle, a different yeah. battle strategy. Right. So I was up until that point going to all these pre hiring, you know, trainings, how to interview for jobs, how to prepare your resume. And I was just like hoping that I was going to get this job. And then my husband, my, my husband, who's also a concert pianist, we were both doing our doctorates together. No I was way. To look at, yes. <laughs> wow. What a household. You guys ever do like dueling pianos when you're waking yes, up? Yes, <laughs> we do. We do. We have three pianos at our home. We just give a concert oh. a couple of months ago where the two of us played. We love playing concerts together. That's we amazing. We have lots of fun. There's lots of pianos in this house. So right. anyway, so cool. but the two of us were in the same pickle. Like, it's not like I had a husband with a like traditional job that I could just, no, the two of us were graduating pianists, right? Now wow. what do we do? So yeah, yeah. it became a double problem because now the two of us had to figure something out together. Um, and so we came up with this idea of creating our, our, our music school. And we said, what if we just build a business instead of waiting for someone to pick us? What if we just create what we think is possible? Let's build a music school. We had a vision. We knew the type of curriculum we wanted to create. And so we actually started learning about how to build a business. We surrounded ourselves by mentors. We looked for an incubator program in the university that helped us put a business plan together. We stepped out of the music school, going into the business school. We entered a business plan competition. We were the only musicians there where everyone else was master's uh, MBA students. We were the only doctoral piano students. Everyone was like, what are you all doing here? Like, this is a college of business event. What are you musicians? Are you crazy? And believe it or not, we ended up winning second prize, best entrepreneurial spirit award, best written business plan. And we raised almost $10,000 and were able to start our music school right there, right as we finished our doctorate degree. And that's that's our first initiative. And not only did we create the school, a brick and mortar school, but we hired many of our colleagues or our peers who were graduating with us and also without anything. And so we hired them and we all kind of started this venture together. It was a great just launch. But of course, 
at that point, we had to learn now how to run a business because <laughs> we didn't know any of that. We had a doctorate in piano performance, not in business. So very, the, very different so, things, right? Exactly. So we different just jumped things. into the opportunity and the first five years, Dave, whoa, it was a wild ride. And in the process I of bet. running the business, there were ups and downs. Um, but one thing happened and it was like the first breakthrough, which was we became parents. We had our first son about two years after starting, three years after starting the business. Awesome. And we realized we can't just be working in the business all day and night. Now we have a baby. So right. that was the first wake up call of like, we need to learn how to optimize our work and work smart instead of hard. So that totally. was the first kind of like disruption and like, you can't just work, work, work all day. You got to find better ways to create leverage in your business. And after we had our son where we had to restructure how we did everything so that I could work from home while I still had my baby and take, took care of him and run the school. And, you know, um, we again, figured out how to optimize the school and things were running efficiently, but I started to feel that there was more that I could do. Like I had learned all these skills. I had understood how to run a business and I started to feel like potentially there's, there's more out there that I could do, which mm. is when the opportunity to come to UNT kind of fell on my lap. And I, I applied. And at that point, my husband was like, what are we going to do with our school? If you get the job, you know, that's in Texas, right? That's not Florida where you're looking yeah, at. Yeah. We started this business for five years in Florida. You're like, interviewing for a job in Texas. Texas. Like, this is, how are you planning on making that work? And I was like, well, let's not worry about that. Who knows if I can get the <laughs> job? It's so competitive. I mean, I know the statistics of getting a college job as a musician. I mean, who knows, right? And he yeah, was like, yeah. but if you get the job, you're going to want to say yes to it. You're going to want to take it. So lo and behold, he was right, I guess. You're like, they let me make the problem first, then we'll react. And then he's like, yeah, but like, let's have a plan before the problem comes. And you're like, let's see what happens. <laughs> right. And so, and yeah. so they offered me the position. And then we had eight months to literally figure out what we were going to do with our school. We explored everything from selling it to, to moving everything here to Texas, to yeah. leaving it there. Uh, and after a lot of thought and consideration, we were like, you know, we have already an established business. We survived the first critical five years where most, most businesses don't survive. We right. have a proof of concept. We've got amazing testimonials. Uh, we have an online presence. Like it would be suicidal to just drop everything and start from scratch. In a moment yeah. where I now have a, I had a two-year-old son at the time. I was starting a full-time job at a university. We were not the same place. You know what I mean? As five years ago, where we were just fresh out of college. We could just give it our all. We were not right. going to do all of that all over again. So we said, let's restructure it. Let's make it work without us. Let's leave it there and let's make it work. So we had eight months to brainstorm how to build, how to, how to run a business without us being there. Mm. And so we moved to Texas. I started the university program with all my energy and enthusiasm. It was brand new. I felt like I was starting a business all over again because the program Startup. was non-existent. It was like, totally. they just gave me a, a blank canvas and said, just build a business. We need our musician students to know how to make money. I was like, wow, this is so yummy. You know, I can go in and just create everything that I love to create. I'm an entrepreneur. So I did that. I built a program while my husband took the reins of the music, our music school. And again, the first year of running the business remotely was full of ups and downs and lessons to be learned and figuring out things, how to make it work. But after that first year, these last five years that we've been running the school, in many ways, it's been even more profitable than when two of us were there full time. Mm. So we've had to, mm. again, change the mindset of like, how can musicians build self-sustaining and build profit without them being involved in every single aspect? You know what I mean? Another right. week of call, like, this is the future. This is the way musicians can create money. 
not by needing to be involved in everything, but by building self-sustaining entity, whatever they are, whether it's a brick and mortar business, whether it's an online business, whether it's whatever, it's the idea of not just making money, but learn how to make that money, make its own money, basically. You know, how to build that as an investment and how to create that so it grows without you. And so for the last right, two years right. now, while I was building, uh, while I was running the program at UNT, once again, it's interesting because it kind of seems to happen every five years. And I always seem to have a two-year-old on the toe. So this time <laughs> I had another two-year-old and he was you now two years old and it had been five years. It's like years a trigger. It's a trigger. I'm telling you. You're going to be, you're going to be way, way older. And you'll be like, somehow we have to just keep having two-year-olds because they just trigger innovation and disruption in our life. I know. When I realized that, I was like, this is weird, but oh, well. You know? um, I had another two-year-old in tow, my second child. And it had been five years that I had been running the university program. And I started to feel that itch again. I was like, huh, I think I can help even bigger. I can still help musicians, not only within the context of a university setting, but all, all around the world, I think mm. what I've learned, the way I've learned, not just how to do the things, but how to teach them, obviously, as an academic, yeah. we could, could use this skill. And a lot of people have been reaching out to me over the years. I've been presenting in many conferences and things. So I knew there was a need in January of 2020. Guess what happened in March? Mm. You know what happened. Pandemic, know what happened. The world turned around and I was like, oh, my goodness. Turns out what I'm about to create, what I'm creating, like people need this now more than ever. Like now's the time for me to show up and, and, and share what I have. It was literally perfect, perfect timing. You know? So it was like somehow perfect timing. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And like, yes, I'm going to create a Facebook group and I'm going to start building all this online content. I learned how to start making a first video. And, you know, it was this whole transformation that felt like I had to kind of jump into it. Whereas before it was just tipping my toes and just like testing around. You know, like, oh, let's see what happens. Let me just play around. No, no, no. Now it's like, I have to go all in. So after I launched my first program in, in June of 2020, I started working with musicians, helping them build their businesses, helping them create, you know, their own five-figure, six-figure breakthroughs. And it really just took off, Dave, to the point where last year I had to make a decision. I really had to start looking at if I'm going to keep building this business in a way that I want it to be, meaning without me feeling burned out, without me sacrificing my quality of life, without me feeling that I'm just being just spread too thin, I have to decide. And even though I had loved that university position and it had been so wonderful to build that program to, you know, we got it on Billboard magazine among the top 50 music business schools for five years in a row since every year that I was there. We got it on national rankings. Our students were doing amazing, building their own businesses, getting amazing results. But I had to make a decision as like, how do I want my life to look? Right. Mm. How do I want to live my life and how do I want to show up for my clients, for my team and for my family and for myself? Right. And it was a really difficult decision, Dave, because, you know, like looking for careers in academia, it's like this elusive thing that most musicians spend their entire college track journey dreaming of. Like I would ask all my students, you know, when I was a teacher, what do you want when you graduate? I want to get a college job. I want to teach at a university. I want to be just like my professor. That's the dream. So for me to turn that down and to be respectfully and politely saying, thank you. And I'm done with this. Right. And I'm moving on. Most of my colleagues thought I was crazy. They're like, what happened? Why did you, how could you just, no one really understood. (laughs) But I knew in my heart that I needed to, I wanted to not just show musicians that they could build a life on their own terms 
and become entrepreneurs and self-sufficient, I wanted to model that for them. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take the leap of faith. It was not an easy decision. And I quit my full-time job. And for the last year, I've been all in in my business, building our program, reaching musicians all around the world and helping them not just learn how to package their skills and build online businesses themselves, but how to create self-led organizations, how to build teams and how to help their teams make money for them, become profitable. So that everything depends on them. And so that is what I'm now focused on is on helping musicians around the world. Yes, I know how to attract clients. I know how to help you attract clients, but I want to elevate the conversation for our industry. And I want to encourage musicians to aspire, to dream for more than just making money. I want to encourage them to dream for creating their life on their own terms, building, yes, financial prosperity, but also building artistic prosperity. Because after all, we're creatives, we're musicians. So I want you to be able to still practice, still have time for what you want in your life, be able to take time off, be able to travel, to, to do whatever you want, and to not feel that someone needs to tell you how you can live your life. Someone needs to define your, your, your pay rate. Someone needs to define the terms in which you work. Someone needs to define your schedule. I want you to look up at your calendar and be so excited about what you have there and, and be grateful that you've designed your life on your own terms. 100%. I love that. So in all of that, there's so many times where my head was like racing <laughs> through. So let me see if I can recall a little bit here. But like, first of all, I like when I'm listening through your story. And this is why I love like letting people frame out their own history of like how things got formed. Cause it just from the outside perspective, when you hear the story through, I can see these different paradigm shifts for you multiple times, right? You're like, you're like, I'm a pianist. How do I create a business instead of just go play piano gig to gig to gig and see what happens, which a lot of people do and they absolutely love it. And that's awesome. Right. But you, you're like, I'm a pianist. I need to learn business. How do I create a business? And then you form a business basically around what you had learned essentially of how you create a business as a pianist or whatever, X, Y, Z, a drummer, guitarist, singer, whatever. Right. You create that and then you have another paradigm shift where you're like, all right, I've created this thing that is doing this thing. And now I need to create a program to have more influence than just this one spot in Florida. Now I want to be able to create a program that draws people into it, right? So now it's like maybe people are coming to the Florida for that program too, but you're, how do I create this program? And maybe even past that, like, because, uh, of the scale, like people will even see this program, then model other things about it and then create other change in that. You see that you're in that spot where it's hot. And then you're like, how can I go past this and not only create people who are savvy in music business in a way of, of teaching and thinking about it, but then how do I teach people to not create just a business, but, or I guess, honestly, that terminology I feel like would be, would be proper, would be like creating a business rather than uh, fulfilling a service direct one-to-one, which is awesome because in all of this, like I really believe and have talked on this show like so much um, that you don't have to be like the starving artists and like people talk, they just like sink down in, they get way into this negative cloud of how Spotify doesn't pay a lot for the stream and they just sit in this negative cloud or something, but they don't look at like what the ability to even have a Spotify or anything around the way that the music industry functions right now that very presence means that there is a scale level to tap into 
that every person down all the way into the dirt with no money, nothing has the ability to tap into by hitting an internet connection. And it sounds really cheesy when you don't have anything started, right? It sounds like, oh, of course, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you have this going on, like I, I have nothing right now. It sounds corny, but then when you're putting the work in and then you're, you're working off of these premises to create things, it does take time. It does take consistency. It takes a ton of work. Like none of, none of this is a fabrication of like, it's not going to, it just should be easy for you. None of it is that, but it's more so your, your premise for it is like, this is just a possibility for you. Like, like I feel like for musicians and artists so much, we have that starving artist or like, we feel like we don't have the ability to tap into some of these things and your whole premise the whole time, even when you're going through your different shifts of what you want to tackle for that time has always just been about like, this is the thing that you haven't, you have the ability to tap into. Yes. You, the musician, yes, you, the artist, not necessarily the finance, the business, the marketing, the whatever majors who have always seen that they've seen that forever. Right. They've always believed that that was possible because they were told it was possible. Whereas musicians and creatives and people who just think very subjectively in any art given thing, I feel like we are so focused on the art, which is rightfully so and, and awesome and what makes people make the amazing things that they do. I feel like we just don't think about the other things that we do need to have in the tool belt so that that way the art gets to really live and breathe the way that it needs to. Like if you look back in time and you see the Renaissance period, or you see some of the greatest uh, composers of time, you watch like a handle. It's like he was commissioned by someone. His full-time living is just to write music. He can't write music if he's not doing things full-time. He can't write some of these beautiful pieces if he doesn't have an income stream. He doesn't have a living as the musician. If he wasn't, if some of these people weren't paying money to help these people live, or they weren't creating it themselves in some sustainable way, you don't get to scale the creative that you fell in love with that got you into it in the first place without having a way to scale some type of income in your time along the way. Because what you're saying is if we can make it so that the gifts and the things that you have ability to do anyway are not only bringing in income, but they're not one-to-one income that makes it so like I play the gig, I get paid for the gig. Well, if you're just doing one-to-one you can't scale your own creative out from that because you have all the time that you have to do the one-to-one to just rinse and repeat. And maybe you're able to practice and maybe you're able to have a great living in there. And that's awesome. But if you're trying to go a step further and make it so that, okay, I want to do all of these other things that fuel this, this is what we want to be approaching. And this absolutely is accessible to musicians, artists, and creatives. It's just something that we have to start thinking about differently and something that we have to start engaging with the learning and material to work on that piece of us as well. We can't just do the creative because if we just do the creative only, we can never get it at scale. We can never get away from just that one thing at a time. We can do so much more if we have more income. Income shouldn't be a fear thing for musicians. We have the right to make money. We should make money. Money is an energy thing. That's what I say all the time. Money is just energy. And people use energy for bad things. They create bad energy, right? But they use it for good things too. And and a good thing could be sharing more of your art and creative with the world. So that's what I got feelings, vibes from what you just said to me. Oh, wow. I don't think (laughs) I've ever had someone, you know, distill my story in such a great and concise way. That's that I'm going to have to re-listen to the way you talk about myself. That's awesome. (laughs) Nice. I'll take it. 
You heard it here first in the podcast. Oh my yeah. goodness. But you know what? I'll tell you what happens because, hey, you know, I've been there. I can understand. You know, when I'm preparing for a concert, I was just getting ready for a concert a couple of months ago. My husband and I played at the Charleston International Piano Series. It was awesome, awesome. you know, to be full awesome. time just immersed in our music and performing in a full concert that we presented for that wonderful crowd. And it took a lot of mental preparation and focus. And I was going back and forth between working on my business, meeting with my team, focusing on strategy, tactics, yada, 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 leadership, program development, then meeting with my clients, helping them with their businesses, coaching them, doing all the things, then sitting at the piano and, and focusing on like the pieces. It takes an ability to really disconnect and focus, right? And sometimes when we get really immersed in our music and we're trying to polish that piece and get it to come out right once and for all, right? We forget about the rest of the world. We just like, we just want to get this piece to sound right because we have to perform and we're just in this craftsmanship state of mind. Right, and so right. I understand why for most creatives and musicians, it's hard to shift back and forth between being in that mode of being highly creative uh, and trying to just get that piece of music done. And then going and like creating a video talking about whatever, right? But I also want to say this. When musicians realize that being able to make money as a musician is not a luxury, it's not an extraordinary thing. Most musicians are just grateful that they're making some money. in Anything. Most musicians are like, at least I'm getting paid for this gig. Because the truth is, most musicians, especially those who graduate from degrees, etc., they end up pivoting a hundred 80 degrees because they just don't make any money in the arts and they end up going and like working at a bank and whatever. Right. They're not really fulfilled artistically. So if they get a gig and they pay, you know, get paid, even if it's a hundred dollars, they feel so fulfilled because someone is paying them a little bit of money to do what they love. And so they don't care that it's nothing. They're just so happy to, to get paid doing what they love. They're grateful. And I get that. Right. Totally. But the issue is like, the question now is, How can we elevate the conversation now to say, what if musicians could package their skills and build online brands that allows them to be able to create value for people through the music that they play, through their teaching, through their mentorship, through whatever thing they're specialists at and offer one to many, one to many alternatives where they're not just limited by one-on-one, but they can offer and scale And it turns out that musicians can now build businesses that way, especially since the last two years where they don't have to make that choice. And so now it's not a matter of like, oh, just be grateful that someone is paying you for a gig. It's about what if you could get people to pay you for your zone of genius, for your expertise, and then you build a sustainable revenue model that makes money even while you sleep because you have a combination of pre-recorded content, live support, whatever it is that you design your program to be with. And then you can free up your time to take as many gigs as you want, even for free, if you want. You don't care because your income doesn't come from that. That's right. Your income comes from this. That's what I love helping musicians discover. Like you can make a lot of money, you know, and my clients go and make five and six figure breakthroughs when they tap into that model versus I'm just going to go keep teaching one-on-one. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So a couple things, like just to rewind first, I think that it's, it's interesting looking back at the, at the disconnect that you talked about in terms of like the college degree for music versus no, if they don't take business courses and then coming out, right. 
I now, this is actually how I got one of my assistants. So it does work sometimes, but I, when I first got out and I love my parents to death because they 1 million percent supported me, but they didn't come from a musical background. So like any type of this entrepreneur stuff or like being in a weird industry, like they just don't understand how to approach it. And they're like, I support you. I'll do anything to support any of the things that you tell me I have to do, but like, I don't know how to direct you. Right. So they're when I get out of school, they're like, submit resumes. Right. Right. So I'm submitting resumes to studios all over the place because I'm an audio engineer. I'm like, I did this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm right. And then, um, then I very quickly realized after meeting more engineers and learning it, and it was like, Oh yeah, you really have to create something yourself for, for it to not necessarily be like a living, like you can make a living, but it's like, I, at that point had been with my now wife since we were 16, 17, I knew that I was going to marry her. I knew that I would be doing some other stuff that I wanted to be bigger than where I was at. And I was like, I need to come up with some type of plan that is more scalable and faster than just coming out of school, flying to LA and being like a production assistant somewhere for like 30K in a major city where my rent is crazy high and I'm living off rice for like 15 years. It's like, that would be such a slow path forward that I very quickly stopped sending the resumes out and I would still (laughs) work with a bunch of people, network like crazy to like get opportunities. But I stopped trying to like work for someone because I was like very quickly, this isn't going to work out for me to like not be the starving artist, to have like any type of life for me past this one art that I love. Mm -hmm. And that means the most to me. I still want to travel and maybe have kids someday and have a wife that isn't miserable with me because I'm, I'm creating this crazy environment. I need to find a way to do that. But then it's funny to see that continue to happen because that's still happening in many programs where maybe they don't have the program that you started, right? Where I got, I get all the time, uh, like applications to like my studio, right? Where they're like, Hey, I would love to, I just graduated X. I would love to come work for your recording studio. And sometimes it works out where I, I have an assistant that I now work with that came through that process because we clicked and he's great. Shout out to Brandon. But uh, sometimes it's like, I have to shoot him an email back and be like, Hey, let's grab coffee. Let's grab a beer. And I just talk to him about it and just be like, I like, this is kind of what I think you're going to run into. And, and so I guess I would love to hear your perspective on that, that disconnect, but also like kind of like where your program that you put in place or other programs could be helpful. Like, if I'm still a college musician and I'm hearing this right now, what are some things that I should be starting to do to like get to jump out the plane? And then I would also pass that conversation after we kind of get that just before I forget, I definitely want to get into some of the things that you recommend thinking differently about of, okay, uh, Fabiana, I'm, I'm hearing you, you know, I have some type of business that I'm already doing with my art or music. How do I start thinking through this process of creating these scalable, maybe it's courses or a service or whatever that starts pulling me out of the equation. I'm sorry to throw two topics at you, but I don't want to forget about it. Yeah. So the first topic about, you know, how, how do these programs work and what could college students do? Here's what I'll tell you, you know, what I did, and it was a moment of awakening when I discovered I needed to learn how to make money that I, I, it wasn't part of my education up until that point. Um, that's the first wake up call. It's like, unfortunately, the curriculum in most traditional musical programs 
will not show you how to make money, period. Right. They're not right. going to show you. So, so don't count on your education by default to show you how to make money. You're going to learn how to play music really well. You'll be a great performer. Which is important, which is great. Time, and you'll be great at that. But most of the times you're going to need to look for the information in your college, look for the courses, look for the resources. Fortunately, we're at a time where most universities already have business incubator programs. You know, back when I was a college student, there were very few programs that had, but today most universities have a college of business within the setting and they have some sort of an entrepreneurship, mentorship, incubator, mm. something. Okay. I know yeah. the university of North Texas had one and ironically, I'll just share with you, you know, what I did when I went to UNT. So I knew from my own experience that I had gained so much value from getting out of the college of music and jumping into the college of business and people thought I was world, amazing. Right. And just going there and doing the things and trust, you know, to, you know, throwing myself into a business plan competition with business people. And like, I just got myself out of the college of music. Right. And it served right. us well. So the first thing I told my students when I started teaching at UNT was where's the college of business. Why aren't you all there hanging out right now? Mm. Like how quickly can I get you to visit them and start yes. checking out what they have to offer? Yep. And I started bringing people from the college of business to the college of music and sending my students to the college of business. And believe it or not, I launched this music entrepreneurship competitions. I created this event just like I was in the university of Miami. I had participated and benefited. I knew that I wanted to build something like this for UIT. So I created this music entrepreneurship competition where we gave $30,000 in cash prizes to our students so they could launch their businesses. And the next week, the College of Business had their own business plan competition. Sure. And so I was like, ha, 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 I have a plan. I Let's told my dip. students, go double dip, go to their College of Business competition. It doesn't matter that you're musicians. It doesn't matter. But I showed them how to build a plan. And so they did. They presented their business plans in the College of Business. And believe it or not, out of the 12 university-wide finalists that were selected for the College of Business competition, four were our music students. And out of those four Love music it. students, out of those four musicians, one of them won second prize, $5,000. And another one did not win a prize, but she raised $5,000 from two of the competition judges who fell in love wow. with her business idea. And so here wow. were all these music students invading the college of business. You know, the, 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 the judges were like, what are all these musicians doing? Here? Attack, attack. Right. right? <laughs> And so they all got these amazing results. They launched their businesses just like I did, right? So they went in there, they got these amazing results. They raised money, they started their businesses. And every single year since, my advice to the, all my students was go to the College of Business, go to find an incubator program, get yourself business mentors, find people around you who are already doing the things you want to do and learn from them. Yes, go to classes, get your 4.0 GPA, right. do your recital. Yes, I'm not saying not to do that. But check out the College of Business. Check out this entrepreneurship resource. Go find. And there would be like, oh, Dr. Clara, but I'm so busy. I'm a student. How can I build a business when I'm in school? And I would always say, I built my business while I was in school, writing my dissertation and finishing my doctorate. It was the best decision I could have made because I had access to a lot of support. I had resources. I had mentors. I had the center of this incubator program. This is actually the best time for you to start a business. And so once they realize that, they're like, oh gosh, I guess I should take advantage of these resources. And so that's what made it click for them. But if you are a music student and you're in a university setting, you're waiting to be given. It's just like if you wait to get a job afterwards. 
It's not that easy. I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. But don't wait for that. Go get it. Go look for it so that you can take accountability and responsibility and not look at this degree and say, oh, I wasn't served well. They didn't teach me what I needed to know. I look back at my doctorate degree and I am so grateful for it because if I wouldn't have been in that degree, I wouldn't have had access to all those music business courses, all those resources that had all those mentors. I would not be where I am if I wouldn't have done that doctorate degree in piano performance. But I looked for those resources. I didn't wait for them to be given to me. Right, so that's right. my number one re- recommendation for university students. On that note, I think it would be really important to, it's exactly what you're saying, where if your objective is like, say we're not the music major, we're not the art major, right? We are business major, marketing major, finance major, right? If their objective is to go get finance job, marketing job, business job, if you go through the program, you don't necessarily have to start a business while you're in school because your objective could be to just go work at a marketing for a company or business for a company or finance for a company, right? So the difference in the disconnect being is that I oftentimes feel like many people who go into these programs, they say, um, I'm going to this in the same mentality, right? Like I'm getting the music degree so I can get the music job. And like we were saying earlier, like the music job, like nothing's coming for you there, right? You're a business major, you're a marketing major, whatever. You go into LinkedIn, go into Indeed, thousands all over the place. It obviously depends on like the economy and the market, but like it's coming for you. It's literally coming to you. You can put your, your, resume up and actually inquiries will come to you to say, you should work here. Here's this thing. Come to me, right? When you do music and you do that, it's not coming for you, right? And that's okay. It's totally okay, but you have to approach it differently. And so that's why I absolutely love that in school, you're encouraging them. You're like, go get this thing, right? Because I got to school and I went to like a way for my undergrad, a way lesser music school to save money on the overall tuition And when I got there freshman year, I was like, I'm learning to become a better musician. I'm learning to become better at working with people. I'm becoming more well-rounded and more professional. But I was like, but I'm not getting a real life uh, experience. So I started interning at a real recording studio, recording bands. I interned doing, I got a job doing live sound where I was running shows. I got an internship at a record label. I started doing things in real life and then real things of like, oh, this is the kick in the pants that's like really going to come at me but I'm a freshman right now. So I have time to be like, what's happening right now. And, and like you're saying, it's like those things, they're not going to come for you. So you have to get those. And the sooner that you get them, I wish like, even with those things that I said, I wish that I started more, 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 more business in school right away to just walk right out and be like, I'm making things right there because I got a business minor. But then when I got out, I got a MBA uh, with a music business concentration, that was a very, very great program. But exactly what you're saying, it's like, I got an MBA. Like I'm a musician, I'm an audio engineer. That's what I give a shit about. I don't care about business in general of like, I don't need to be a fortune 500 company. I don't, none of that matters to me. Right. But I got an MBA because I knew that business and functioning in business. And for those out there, you don't have to get an MBA. You can absolutely crush. You can literally do no schooling at all and just read all sorts of stuff on the internet and be an amazing business person. So don't even listen to me there. But it's like, I got that, right? And I'm, I just understood that the business portion of it, all that is just like a very, very applicable life skill of how do I take the thing that I'm good at and make it into something different. And so I'm so happy and so grateful that you're out there 
preaching that early to people, go get this thing because it's not coming for you. That's just a fact in our world. And it's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And people like who have parents that might not have been in the backgrounds that we're in, they just might not know to say that to you. They just might not know how it works. So going to get Yeah. And there's a caveat to this. I'd like to add to it, which is so interesting. It's so interesting because here's the thing. Most organizations that could hire you for that typical type of job, like a university or an arts organization, let's say, if they see that you have your ability to create things on your own, Mm. guess what? That makes you more hireable. Mm. That actually makes you more marketable. Organizations, leaders are looking for intrapreneurs to join their organizations. They want people who can create things, who can put things in motion. That's what I did in the university. I came from building a music school to building a program. I am pretty confident that the fact that I had created my own business, that I didn't just graduate and start sending my resume everywhere, waiting for someone to pick me, but I took things on my own hands and said, I'm going to create this. When they were looking for for someone to build a program at the university, they're like, yeah, she's a self-starter. She can put things together. We want to hire her. So here's the thing. I never thought I would be teaching at a university music business courses. But when I decided I wanted to, the fact that I had my own business made me more hireable. So that's what mm-hmm. I would tell my students. I'm like, it's fine if you want to go and get a traditional job. Totally. No one is saying you can't aspire to that. But don't wait for that. If you build your own thing, that may actually help you stand out in the competition. And people will want to connect and learn from you because they're going to be drawn to your ability to initiate, to innovate, and to take things and make them happen. Right. Be a builder, right? Yeah. Just be a builder. It doesn't have to lead to anything specific past that. You can just build for building's sake, but to show that you are a builder. And many of my my students got jobs because of that. You know, they went through the program. I helped them build businesses and they built their businesses. Some of them even built brick and mortar businesses while being students. And as soon as they graduated, they had an income because they had a brick and mortar business. But guess what? They got a full-time job. Someone hired them. You know why? Because they saw how innovative they were. They were impressed with the fact that they built a business while they were in school. And shortly after finishing, they got a job. Love it. You know? So flip side, not really flip side. It's not like a counter thing like that. I guess just onto the next piece of it, because I feel like that really filled that out would be, so I am a musician or an artist or a creative right now of some type, and I'm doing one-to-one. What are some steps that I can take or ways of thinking or process that you are when you're working with people or or whatever that I should be thinking of? How am I going to replace myself? How am I going to start taking the things that I do and that I'm good at and that people see that I'm good at and then make it so that they can be things that bring in income without me there? Because I think for people who haven't done that before, me, I have a lot of passive things, but I say that um, even a lot, probably with my audio and stuff, I'm I'm usually pretty hands-on. So like, what are the processes or the way of thinking that you recommend for someone who's in that spot and would like to be heading that direction that you recommend of how do I start getting the gears turning to make me look for avenues yeah. that I can take to address that? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, there's important concepts that you need to understand, which is that When we have to work hard to create money, it's actually harder that way than if we can build systems that allow money to flow. So Mm. what does that mean? 
if we can create a way of working through our ideas, through our, through our guidance, through our expertise, showing how others can get results versus us producing the results for others. That's the first mindset shift that most musicians don't know. Meaning we need to figure out how we can serve our ideal clients through our zone of genius, through our guidance, through our mentorship, but not through our doing. Mm. We need to be able to teach and break down our expertise in processes and systems and know-hows to help our ideal clients get results, whatever those results are, whether they want to improve on a technical skill in musical production or in recording or in performing or in building their careers. What are those activities that you can help others achieve? but not by you doing them for them. You need to shift from being the service provider to being the wise mentor and guide that through your vision and ideas, you can help them get results. So what does this look like? For example, when you're teaching an instrument, right? Your best way of scaling a studio is not by working one-on-one with clients, but instead by creating a combination of pre-recorded trainings where, that you built with some group mentorship opportunities. Because again, one of the biggest and quickest ways to improve on any given skill is by being surrounded with people who are trying to do the same thing, right? We all know that. That's a fact. The idea of a mastermind, of being surrounded by people who are on the same path. So creating yep. mastermind type settings for your ideal clients where they can see you provide laser support, laser feedback, laser coaching, and see how you do it in a group setting while also providing laser, like specific trainings that you may want to give on something that goes deep in a pre-recorded form that can be delivered asynchronously, meaning it does not have to be done in real time, you teaching them one-to-one. So this can allow you to teach music, to teach music production, to, to teach anything that has to do with your career as an artist that you think people will benefit that can help them create that transformation, but not to do it in a way where it only depends on the time you're face-to-face interacting with clients. Right. Thanks to the technology innovations where today people are more open than ever to learning online, but it doesn't have to be live directly with you. Now you can still have a lot of high touch opportunities in the way you mentor people. They can, for example, send you a personalized video of whatever they want feedback on. And you can send a personalized video back. Mm, so you mm. can still do one-on-one to a certain extent, but without it depending on a specific time. They're still getting a deep connection from you, but you can control in your schedule. Where's that happening? And then even to take that further, you could batch out certain tasks in your schedule to make it so you're extremely efficient in that. So they're still getting that outcome, but say me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to teach piano lesson one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I can still be high touch with those eight people if they want to pay for that uh, skill and service. But it's saying like, listen, like here's a video of you playing piano and I'm literally only capable of like two chords or like chord and melody. So like this is completely figurative piano lessons here, but, but like, say like um, I have eight students, they can still send me the video back and forth and I can have that huge touch. Like, this is me, this is me directly working on your skills with my skills, but it's just removing yourself from that one-on-one punch a clock. I have to do this thing Monday through Friday at these times. Mm-hmm. It's making it so that it's a controllable. 
And not only that, but believe it or not, you can actually provide greater level of value to your ideal clients because you are now providing them more regular points of feedback versus like, I'm just meeting you once a week and good luck for the rest of the six days. I'll see you next week where they're accidentally reinforcing poor habits. And then they show up the next week and you're like, oh no, you did it all wrong. I have to go. That doesn't happen when you leverage the possibilities of, of, of of creating a scalable business because they can send you requests more often and you can give them feedback on your own timeframe and they get to wait. They don't have to wait a whole week to hear from you. You know, you can build all these different frequencies and ways for for people to receive support from you. And that actually creates quicker transformation in your students. So that's just one example. But in reality, then it goes beyond that because once you've dialed in the type of offer you want to work with students, then you need to do the same for your team and for your systems of creating revenue, right? So just like we optimized with this example, your studio and how you would deliver your services. Remember our conversation today goes beyond just how to get students and how to, how to teach more efficiently. Our conversation is like, now how do you get to this to start making money for you on your Mm. behalf? And so this now transfers into your sales and your teams. And how do you now help your clients start? how, How do you help your business be able to grow without you having to always be the one making sales. That's also the the next step. Right. I feel like business in function, like out there, right? Like when you're working at different businesses and you're working for different like companies or something, they are so slow to change that some of these principles right here, like they will integrate someday or they're starting to, But like these have also been around for access for a while. And of course, like COVID time uh, expedited, like I feel like a 10 year change in like two years technologically and like what people have for like access and like, uh, like how they feel about access. But like a lot of what I'm hearing from you is changing that, like that mindset change that you had like three or four times, right? Changing the mindset of what's possible straight up. Like, even if you don't know like how to do it, that's probably why most people work with you is they're saying like, Fabiana, this is what I can do. This is what I want to do. How do I do these things? And you're like helping them with that mindset. But it's mostly like, A, just know that it is possible. You just need to figure out like, what is it that you want to do? Really? Like what impact do you want to make? What skills do you have to offer? Uh, and then like the other, the other aspect of it is just that like, I think that the scalability of the internet in terms of like, say like you offer an online course, like you were talking about, like you're not so much focused on the different tasks so much as like making it so that money flows to you. Well, it's like if I spend one weekend or one week working with like a videographer and I've just gone through the process, like for instance, me, right? Like I, I record mix and master bands. I do audio books and I help people launch podcasts. I could take like one weekend, one week and create like a video series. And then walk away from that is the relevancy for that will stick around for so dang long. Like it's, there's many things that will change technologically, many things that would change as recommendations for platforms, et cetera. But there's many things that are principles that will stay good for 10, 15 years, no doubt, right? One week, one weekend of me still provides that scalability for people in terms of a course or in terms of a group like this. And so this is, this is technology at scale The internet has been around for now a fair amount of time. And like, really, we're still at the beginning, which makes me really excited for what I get to see before I'm out of this place, 
you know, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, it's really just, uh, the fact that as an individual, like a sole proprietor, an individual person, an individual creator, we have these tools to hit the scale to change our lives, but also to change other people's lives with our scalability of impact as well. Like it's just net, net positive the way that I see it of a way to operate in that space. But it's just learning how to do that, which I myself have a lot to do as well. You know, most of my passive stuff is working in the real estate space, but in terms of like my audio production, um, I'm, I'm, I love people so much that it, it almost makes me, um, you know, on crutches a little bit because like, I want to be with the people. So like, I'm, I don't have to be there, but it's like, I want to be there because I've known this person and I'm trying to be a part of their career and I want to see it happen, like whatever. And I love that gushy, you know, like person to person stuff. Right. But, uh, but it's like almost in a way, it's like, if you can get past that too, you can still incorporate that, but it's like, you can, if you want to help people, which I feel like everyone listening to this show, everyone trying to do any type of creative, it's like, it's just a form of expression to help people. You can help more people if you tap into the scalability of the internet, even on a one-to-one level, we can all tap into that. Like it's here, the tools are here. It's just finding out like, how can I do that applicably to what I do and what I can offer, right? Yes, absolutely. And you know what? There are ways where you can still keep that human interaction, but create it through scale. And, you know, you can still have that, but it doesn't have to be the way you're used to having it. Anything that we do, we can create a system for. Anything that we know how to teach, we can decodify and break it down into step-by-step direction. Sure. Anything sure. that we're good at producing, we can help replicate and help people take that off our plate. And what that does is it allows us to elevate our level of activity from being the ones who are implementing all the things and beating the, like, the manual labor aspect to continue to envision possibilities for growth and new versions of what we do that are perhaps even more impactful and reach more people. But if we, are, if we choose to stay in the level of execution and implementation, then there will always be a cap. And for some people, that's fine. And there's no judgment on that. But when we're 100%. looking at like financial growth, there's no question that the higher level you go, where you're less involved in the day-to-day execution of things the yeah, more you yeah. can become the visionary ceo and grow does that right. make sense so it's yeah, a choice no, that you have to make you know it is it's a choice of like how you want to live how you how what your priorities are for in life and like there's a million people that just don't want to deal with literally any of that that are fine with doing the one-to-one and they're fine with um you know like doing a business where they're like all that's cool everything's cool about it but it's just like i guess getting the word out that this is an option and a point. And like, for me, I, everyone has this where like, you don't see how big you can take something until like you stand on the next mountain and then you go, there's another mountain that's bigger. And you're like, holy shit, how is there a bigger mountain here? And it's like, you can't see above the clouds until you climb up. Then you get above the clouds and then you're like, oh, there's another mountain that's higher. And like, obviously you can chase that forever, right? Like that's like the best part about being a human is that like, we're built to like want to improve and want to be better. And we always want to be better. And you're going to chase it your whole life if you're a go-getter. And most of the people listening to this are, and that's awesome, right? Chase that as long as you're finding happiness inside there. But I guess like for me, right? Like I think about just myself just as a way to like explain this. It's like 
the more money that I make, I'm going to like, I donate to charities every year, right? I'm going to donate more money to charities yearly. I'm going to create more businesses that will help more people. I'm going to create more businesses that can donate to charity, right? Like I'm going to be doing more things because the more money that you have is just tracing back to like the more energy that you have, the more time that you have to hit more of those different things that you've now created and scale those more. It's just growth. And, and, and I would have to imagine the people that are chasing these types of things are, are most often in that for a really positive growth. So it's just obviously making a decision of like what your day-to-day looks like of how you want your life to be and what things you do want to deal with, what things you don't want to deal with, what skills you have and what, what things you're not good at. But like past that, it's like, how big do you want to make it? And like, what things can you utilize to attack that really? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I, I think the sky's the limit and it's all, it's all good, right? It's just a personal decision. But most of the times we don't know what we don't know. And so I think these types of conversations are so critical for our field, for our industry. And I congratulate you for creating this platform, for having this movement, for building this conversation for musicians, because this is not something that they're traditionally going to listen to in normal um, environments, right? Uh, right? It's not the typical narrative. So I think this is a very important conversation. I'm so grateful you. that you brought me in. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. I'm glad I'm grateful for you to be here. Yeah. Like my, my goal is like, even, even past like where I was at my music school and I love like, I love all the classical and I love all the the chill stuff, but it's like, I will just as easily be in a high tiered business meeting or like a, a high stakes, uh, like suit and tie type of thing. Right. And then the next day I'm going to go do a backflip off of a base cab or be in a mosh pit or getting a new tattoo or whatever. It's like, these things can be the same thing. You have the right to be a punk or a musician or or be weird and be wacky. You have the right to be weird and also crush business. And those can be the same people. You have the right right to to do that. And I feel like I want to attack that stigma or that thought of like, I have to, if I'm going to do this like alternative anything X, I have to not live with money or live with growth. I want to completely destroy that. I think that that's even more of a reason for you to come in there and be like, yeah, I'm tatted up. Yeah. I'm living a weird, a weird way to you or whatever, but I'm also here to create so much good and create so many things. And I can be both in different environments. I can be that crazy creative in the music video doing all sorts of things that are just wild to everyone else. Right. But I can be this business person and I can crush business and help a lot of people at the same time. I want that to be broken. Absolutely. Yeah. That is fantastic. Right. Well, so I, I know that we are at our time here. Do you have time? I usually ask people the same questions at the end as like a short yeah, question. Yes. Okay, cool. Awesome. So these are like the same six questions that I ask on every episode. And then every hundred episodes, I kind of like correlate that information when we've gone through so many different types of people yeah, to see people. what it, um, what it, um, my headphones oh. are running out of batteries. So. Oh, okay. All right. We'll okay. get you out of let's, here. Let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, first question is, why do you wake up and do what you do every day versus any other thing that you could do in the world? Because I like empowering people. I mm. believe that people can achieve anything they want in life. And I want to take the stand for helping them make their dreams come true. Love that answer. Love that attitude. So couldn't be a, a better way to wake up, right? 
100%. Absolutely. Along the way, like, I'm sure that you've learned from the mistake and you're like, I'm so pumped that I learned that lesson or something. But like, say you could talk to like five years ago, you or 10 years ago, you and be like, Hey, if you could learn this lesson, like don't do this thing. Cause that was like a really crappy mistake or a really crappy thing that happened. What would you say to yourself back then? You don't need to work hard to make money. You can work smart and make more Mm. money. Mm. Don't work hard on the wrong things. Figure out what the right things are and work smart towards it. Mm. Kill that hustle culture. You need to work hard for the things that you love, but you don't always have to work a million hours to do a million things to get the living that you want to have. Working hard does not equal more results. That's what I would tell myself. Don't think that because you're working hard at something, you're going to get better results. Embrace the easy way. Be okay with taking shortcuts. Be okay with making it easier. We have a stigma in our culture of the easy is not valuable. The easy is not good. You don't deserve it if it's easy. Yeah. And there's even like, oh, you're taking the easy way. Yes. And that's good. Absolutely. I I like that. (laughs) That would tell myself, it's okay if it's easy. That's a good thing if it's easy. It doesn't have to be hard to be valuable. Yeah. Really quick really quick story on exactly what you just said. When I was in like this way out in the middle of nowhere spot in Italy, I remember having a conversation with them and it was like a, a, the fundamental difference between like at least living us in like kind of like a hustle mode. And, uh, and like, they were just talking about like their winter break and they're like, yeah, we're going to be out of here in like a couple of weeks. And like, what are you going to do for your winter break? And I was like, Oh, like Christmas. And they're like, no, for like your three months off. And I'm like, Dude, I have like two, two weeks that I take off for the whole year. I don't, I don't have no three months off. Dude. Like I, I work seven days a week all year long, except for two weeks, most pretty much for the whole year. And he's like, yeah, me and him life. just like, we basically like could not understand each other. I was like, what do you mean three months of just, what do you do, dude? Like, what do you do with all the time? He's like, well, I see family and I cook food and I be a human being. And, and I'm like, and he's like, to me, he's like, how could you not have that time to be alive? Like you only have like less than a hundred years to just do any of these things. How could you not? It. I so love it. Just to go with yours. There's definitely a different way to hey, do Hey, when everything. I went to Spain the first time I crossed the, you know, the ocean, I was like, I want to live here. Like you're yeah, me too. This life, different thing. And this is different. I want to move to Europe. Priorities. I totally relate to that. 100%. Flip side to that, what's like the best idea you ever had? Or you're like, this was awesome. I'm so pumped that I did this thing. Best thing ever. Wow. I don't know if I can remember the best idea (laughs) I've ever had. Um, hmm, That's a great question. I know it changes with time, right? Yeah. You know what? I would say my most my most transformative breakthrough in the most recent time has been that my business and career is going to grow in direct relationship with how I take care of myself. Mm. Meaning again, with that hustle mentality, like if I burn myself out and I focus too much on one side of my life yep. and I don't look for an alignment between everything else, it's not going to work out. Right. Meaning right. The secret to building a successful career, successful business is looking for balance and alignment, striving for balance, because I don't really know that we ever 
achieve balance, but at least we're, we're striving for it in the best way. If we're looking for it, taking care of ourselves, taking care of our, our, our self-care, taking time for rest, taking time for walking, taking time for, for stopping uh, and valuing that as much as we value producing and getting results and making money and all that. Um, yes. That has been a real big shift for me in, in recent years of like, no, I need to take care of myself. I need to be able to put priorities. And if I want to do this, even if it's not what I would usually do, I'm, it's okay. Like I deserve it. It's like, I'm no less worthy if I focus on these things that I may not see a direct outcome, like, like I do when I work on my business in terms of right. like, I give a concert or I publish a book or I get a client make money. Like it's so easy to be drawn to the things that give that quick return. They're like, yes. I see results. I see results. I just want to work more on these things that I see results versus like standing. Humans are naturally people. drawn to that. Right. But, but when you think of things like raising kids, like where's the result? I don't know. It can take 18 years until they go to college and you can look back at yourself and say, hmm, I did a good job as a parent. Like we don't know when the end comes, right? Cause it's a lifetime journey. Our fitness, like when do you know you're ready? You don't know. You just have to be constantly in pursuit of it. You don't get to a point where you're like, I'm now done taking care of myself. My, I'm officially fit. I mean, there's always work you need to be doing on it. So it's yeah. harder to see that like carrot at the end of the stick with these right. things. But when you work on your business, when you work on your, you know, on, on other things that you can see that result really quickly, you're drawn to be wanting to get more of that. It's like yeah, that humans naturally rush. Right. Like our monkey mind wants that. Like we're used to that. We're, we're like for survival, our like head was developed 20,000 years ago to be like, Oh, like the fruit, you got the fruit and here's the, whatever. It's like, there it is, but it's not trained to be like, all right, I'm going to build this water duct so that I always have fresh water. It's like, we had to develop things like that and be like, yeah, no long-term this whole neighborhood gets to live and like do better things because we made it. So we don't have to go 20 miles for water every day. It's like that doesn't feel as appealing, but it, but net net, you're just like, the results are like unreal and it's hard to see the intangibles and then act actionably in the moment to get those. Yeah. It's just naturally difficult things sometimes. Should I go to the gym? And then when you come back to the gym, yeah, you feel great, but you don't see like a result. You know what I mean? Should I do this? One time at the gym, you're that. Yeah. So, so it's making that realization of like, no, I want my life to be in alignment with my values. I want to live because this is why I do what I do. I want to be able to be the best mom, best wife that I can be. I want to be the best, you know, take care of myself, feel that I'm honoring my body. I'm not abusing it. I want to feel energized during the day. I want to feel like I have connection with my relationships and all of those things are long-term things. Right. Right. Time. They take, they take focus and they're a work in progress. You don't get to see the results so quickly like you do when you make a sale, when you create this successful project. But yet that's what it's all about after all. Why do we do what we do? So that we can have fulfilling lives, fulfilling relationships, healthy lives, so that we can enjoy our lives. What's the Long point of ourselves <laughs> with our work? What's the point? What is all of this success for? Yes. So that's what I would say has been one of my biggest, my best decisions, if I were to call it a decision. To yep. just to just give myself that space, you know, it is a decision. It's like an actual. It's like an actual decision that you make, like daily, weekly, monthly. That's like a real decision, really. So, 
Yeah. Cheers to that. That was such a great thing to share. So what would be, and maybe this is it, but like, what would be your superpower? But like, not like the, like invisible or flying over the ocean or something like that. Like what, what would people say? Like, this is Fabiana's superpower. She is so dang good at this thing. If I put Fabiana in a room, there's like a laser that shoots this and it just is the thing that makes this happen. What would that be? Well, I I can tell you what most of my clients share uh, in terms of the biggest takeaways that they um, that they reflect on when I ask them to maybe share about their work together with me and like their experience in my program. I think even though they come to me for business development purposes, they come to me for um, just, you know, trying to create financial prosperity. What they usually walk away with and what they share most of their appreciation about is not just that they learn how to make money, but that they develop a completely new attitude around life. Mm. You know, they, they create a new approach to living on all areas of their life. Right. The philosophy that they gain from me applies to their business, but to their relationships, to their health. And they get this overall new perspective for living a life as a human being, as a musician, as a creative. And yes, they make money. They learn how to build businesses. They do all the things, but they actually mentioned that as a side benefit. They mentioned that as a side benefit. They say, what I really gained was a completely new outlook of possibility for my life. You know, I no longer wake up feeling, what was one of my client's words that she said? I feel like it's a sense of liberation. Like I feel that I can do things, which is essentially what I answered my first, your first question of like, why do you wake up in the morning? Because I want to empower people. I want to help them see what they may not realize is possible for them and go for it and make it happen. Right. And right. So that's what they end up saying that they feel empowered, not just because they built a business, but because now they feel empowered towards life in general. Yeah. You know I, mean? I felt like I was given options back basically. Like yeah. I felt like I had to do this thing and I was boxed into this way and this is how things had to be. But like you just said, like there's no box around, like there's no box around you. You have these options. You have this control. This is your choice. Yeah. Just a, yeah. a freedom, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What I guess would be, I would say helping people discover the choices that they have and helping them see how to make it happen. Yeah. Clarity. How's that? Yeah. Cool. But action. Clarity with action. Oh. I make them. Oops. I okay, make them do you. the things, not just get clear, but take action on that. Very Clarity important. with action. Yeah. Okay, cool. What would that be? Like glasses or something like that? I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> forcing clarity. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. Um, what would be a resource or some resources that you'd recommend the audience? It could be books, podcasts, yeah. websites. Um, like after this, we'll we'll grab your websites, but like your, your, uh, recommendations that you have either now, or just like the ones that stand out over time that you recommend people should check out. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I've put together a training that helps creatives package their skills into an online high-end offer by following 10 specific steps. And this comes from my experience working in academia, but also working outside of academia. And I think for anyone like listening to this conversation today and being like, where do I begin? This all sounds nice, but how on earth am I going to do this? Right. I will send them to that training. It's really, it's, I think it's going to help them get the step-by-step. I have a PDF with like fill in the blank things 
And by the end of the training, they're going to walk away with a business plan on a single sheet of paper. It's called Musicians Business Canvas. So I highly recommend they check that. It's a completely free resource. You can see it on my website, fabianacloret.com forward slash gift. That's F-A-B-I-A-N-A-C-L-A-U-R-E.com forward slash gift. And so that will give you access to that free training, that free resource. And you know what? I'm about to finish my book. I'm one chapter away from finishing my book. Congrats. This is the first time I'm really announcing it in any podcast or anything, but stay tuned, you know, join my community because my book is coming out and it's going to be amazing. Like showing you in full depth, how to do everything we talked about today. So I I can't wait to be able to share that as well in the near future. Yeah. So that's awesome. Congratulations on that. And people that are listening right now, if you're like walking a dog, riding a bike, driving a car, that link will be in the show notes down below. If you want to hit up that resource and then I guess like past that Fabiana, that link right there, what would be like, where do people keep up with you? Like, do they like, what's, I know that like, um, I probably have this stuff from your email or like yeah, your yeah. slide deck anyway, but like just people auditorially, if I'm like yeah. doing my thing and I want to jot something down real quick, even though it'll be in the show notes, where do people keep up with you? If it's social website, what, where should they be checking out? Absolutely. So I have a variety of platforms that I show up regularly. I would suggest joining my Facebook group. I have a Facebook group called Musicians Creating Prosperity. So if you just look that up on Facebook, you're going to find me. I love that community. I show up every week and I deliver free trainings there. We have an amazing group of creatives really striving to elevate the conversation of what's possible Mm -hmm. in our industry. Uh, we have almost a thousand members. It's fantastic. So I would welcome awesome. anyone listening in to join that free community musicians creating prosperity. Cool. Awesome. Well, Fabiana, thank you so much for over an hour conversation and like some really deep dive stuff to talk over how to help musicians and creatives and people just wanting to do the things that they want to do. This is literally the conversation that this show is based off of, which is like, I felt like I was woken up of like, wow, there, there are possibilities that I didn't understand out there. And just having entrepreneur friends coming in as this creative that hadn't heard those principles before. That's when I was like, holy shit, there's so many other things that we could do in life. And that really started my mission. And I felt like this episode, our conversation was so in line with waking up, like, like, if you don't feel, if you're feeling that way, right, you don't feel liberated, you feel like this is the way that I have to do things. There's no way that anyone has to do things. Like what's crazy is like when you get older, I always tell this thing on it where it's like, I feel like when we're kids, we see adults and the adult does something or says something and we just go, okay, that's what we're supposed to do because they clearly must have lived this life. Then you get older and you become an adult and then you're like, oh yeah, everyone's just figuring shit out like as they go, because there's like straight up zero answer and zero right way to do anything. But that also means that there's no box around any of us. There's a lot that you can do. You just have to decide on what you want to get done and how that's going to look like. And so thank you so much for this conversation and giving us really that like, like you hit it, you know, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Stay on. I'm just going to tag this out for people that are hanging on live. People that are hanging live, first of all, thank you for hanging with us. If you are checking out this podcast more, we're on Thursday nights, usually live. Um, But if you are like catching the tail end of this and you want to hear this as a podcast in full, it will be out 
on Tuesday at 6 a.m. And you can hear the full podcast, wakingupfromwork.com or as a podcast on any platform, just looking up this and here, this full conversation. But I just want to thank you guys very much for tuning in live. Hit me up if you want to at Dave Wake Up. Talk to me about the episode. Love to hear from you. But uh, yeah, go create some uh, some businesses out there. <laughs>